The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Welcome to Hacks and Jacks, a fantasy baseball podcast. I'm Joe Galena. And I'm pleased to be joined each and every week by my buddy, my co-host, Scott Chu. Scott, how's it going today? It's going great, man. I just finished recording the uh, first pitch podcast that goes up on Sunday. And after like a slew of audio issues, I finally figured it out. So I feel like I can do anything now. There you go. You can do anything. You are the man. So just to give... uh, you a reference point. Uh, we're recording this on August 1st, about 2 p.m. Eastern time. And Scott, unbelievable. We're we're into August already. Where'd the, where'd the season go? I mean, it's it's hard. It's so weird because we always talk about how it's such a long season. And then at this point of the year, we're always like, man, where'd it go? It's all <laughs> over. So, um, no, it's cool. And I mean, it's not like we haven't had action, right? I mean, that oh, action goodness. we just saw on Friday was, right. was nonstop. So like, mm-hmm. it's not like enough things haven't happened. I just can't believe it's already, <laughs> already this time of year. Yeah. I mean that, that trade deadline was the best that I could remember in a very, very long time. Uh, I was lucky to be able to be working from home. So I had MLB network on all day and it was just nonstop action Tons of trades being executed right down to the wire, uh, even a bunch. Like up until like close to 5 p.m. Eastern time, there were still trades being announced because, you know, trades could happen until 4. And then by the time they're officially sent over to MLB to let them know that it happened. But uh, it was just it was just incredible. I mean, you know, we've seen MLB trade deadlines and I forget the year, but th- there was one where there was some action in the middle of the week and then on the actual deadline day. Pretty much nothing happened. It was just a dud. But this one was incredible. It really was. And I think one thing that was really interesting is we almost never see this many high-level players, major league players, and prospects all get moved, mm-hmm. right? Teams are so, you know, they're hell-bent on keeping control. They don't want to give away big pieces. Usually we see, like, a couple rentals here and there. And we saw all con- – like, we did see guys that are rentals, and we saw a bunch of guys that are under contract for significant amounts of time get moved. Yeah. Yeah, it was yeah. wild. Like, uh, you know, even like, you know, up and down, like the big teams were getting guys like the teams on the bottom, like I'm a Tigers fan and they had a very quiet deadline, but at the same time, like I was amazed at how many big prospects moved mm-hmm, over mm-hmm. the weekend. It was, it was wild. Like we just don't see that stuff anymore. 
Yeah, yeah, and, and I, I think that if they would have extended the deadline even further, I think there was some trades that might have happened after the deadline. If you know, everybody was just in trade mode, right, right. And there were some big names that didn't get get moved uh, that had been included in rumors. Of course, you know, the big one that everyone thought was going to be traded was Colorado Rocky shortstop Trevor Story. Even uh, Kenta Maeda, he was rumored to be uh, on the block. And, uh, hey, the Cubs still have uh, Wilson Contreras, and who knows who else would have gone from the Cubs uh, roster. But were you surprised that Story didn't get moved? I mean, uh, it was almost a foregone conclusion that he was going to be traded. I mean, maybe Rockies were getting too many low ball offers. I'm not surprised, but it's not because I think the Rockies should have kept him and just that I have so little faith in the Rockies management to do anything that makes sense. (laughs) So like on that end, like having Herman Marquez and Trevor story and other guys stay on their team, like that makes some sense, but only because like they're just completely out of touch with, I think what most people think they ought to do. And normally I'd give benefit of the doubt, but they've been bad for so long that mm-hmm. I, I kind of don't have to. Mm-hmm, <laughs> so, mm-hmm. you know, that was, it, it's a surprise unless you realize it's the Rockies. It'd be a right. surprise if it was any other team. Right. So we'll dive into some um, more details of uh, the trade activity that went on the other day and how it relates to your fantasy team. But uh, first I want to talk a little bit about Fernando Tatis Jr., shortstop for the Padres. Uh, he was placed on the 10-day injured list uh, on Saturday. That was a day after he partially dislocated his left shoulder for the third time this season and season ending a shoulder surgery for Tatis is on the table if his condition doesn't improve enough over the next 10 days and that's per Padres manager Jace Tingler and earlier in the season you and I talked about how Tatis has apparently been dealing with shoulder pain and issues dating back to his rookie ball days, right? And it's safe to say it's got to be called a, a chronic issue at this point. And if there's no surgery, it's just an issue that the Padres uh, just going to have to deal with and, and try to manage as best they can uh, moving forward. I mean, my stance was that once he got healthy, uh, you as a fantasy made manager who had him in, let's say, a dynasty league, should have been quietly testing the trade waters. I mean, and, and let's face it, he has had to date an amazing season, right? But unless your dynasty team is deep enough to withstand an eventual season-long absence when Tatis does need surgery, because even if he doesn't need surgery now, I just have a feeling that he's going to need surgery at some point, no? Yeah, and I think the plan right now that they're really trying to weigh is, should he get the surgery now, and that ends his season, or can he play through it and get the surgery in the offseason, mm-hmm. right? That's really what they're trying to balance. Like, so... The main issue with trying to trade Tatis is no one's going to give you what Tatis can do if he ends up being healthy. Now, no one, yes. no, mm-hmm. no one will mm-hmm. give you anything close. Right. Right. So um, it'd be a really conservative move to make. I'm not saying you can't make it. There are team contexts where you think about trading him even in redraft. But my advice generally is going to be just hold. Mm-hmm. Hold, hold, hold. They're, what they're going to try to find out over the next 10 days is what was a little different with this particular tear. And I'm getting this from the San Diego Union Tribune. And if you ever want to find like some of this like in-depth reporting stuff, go right to that city's like local paper. Those Absolutely. beat writers yes. are all over it. The Athletic mm-hmm. does a good job with it too. But you want to find those beat writers. They figured this out. Apparently what happened is that it didn't pop back in as quickly as it had the other times he's had the issue this year. And they so they did the MRI and said there's not significantly more damage. 
So we just want to see how it's going to go. Cause if they had found significant new tearing, he already would have like been shut down going to surgery. So he does have a chance. They do want to see how it goes. Uh, they're going to, um, you know, see him over the next 10 days. Can he play on it? Can he put it off? Because the Padres have not run away with this division. Mm-hmm. And if they don't have Fernando Tatis, it becomes a lot harder to make the playoffs. Yeah. And I know that, you know, they've got 14 years of contract of Fernando Tatis Jr. ahead of them. And I get those people are saying, just shut him down and see what happens in the future. But you only get so many shots, mm-hmm. right? Like this came up. It, it was it was different because he wasn't injured, but they talked about the pitch limits for Steven Strasburg his rookie year, and it was like, no, we're going to save him because we got more time coming. They didn't go back to the World Series till like <laughs> two years ago. Mm-hmm. It, it was like a decade in between, and they were lucky that Strasburg was even still on their roster, hadn't completely fallen apart. Uh, so I, I think that you've got to hold. I think that you know the Padres are hopeful, and, and the kid is you know twenty two years old. He can be healthy you can play through this stuff and get the surgery later. It's just going to be, you know, something we have to continuously watch until he has the surgery. The nice thing will be is that after the surgery, this becomes a much less of a serious issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What is amazing is, and like we said, that this is the third time that uh, his shoulder has been separated this season. Uh, but when he has played, it's just been incredible. You know, batting uh, 292, 31 home runs, uh, 23 stolen bases. You know, it's like an on-off switch. There's no, you know, waiting to get back into game shape. You know, it's, it, as soon as he's back in the lineup, you know, he, he's smashing again. Yeah, I mean, like, the, the number of guys this season that have been as good, like, uh, Vlad Guerrero Jr. has slightly better numbers uh, and has, you know, like, about half of a win above replacement more. Mm-hmm. But he's also played like 20 more games than Tatis, yeah, right? Right. It's been unbelievable how, he's, how good he's been. Um, even with the high strikeout rate, I really don't care about it because of how hard he hits the ball. Again, he's just, and in fantasy, he's stealing. Like he's still stealing bases. He's yeah. got 23 stolen bases. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right. Like that's second in baseball. It's the most in the national league. Playing so just like, as aggressive as he always has. Yes. So I get it. There's an injury concern at the same time. If I've got him, especially in redraft, I'm just seeing what happens. There is always an IL spot that I will make available for Fernando Tatis Jr. And there's just no package. Any sane person would give me to get Fernando Tatis Jr. For the rest of this year. Right. Yeah. Especially right now. You're right. That he's sidelined. Uh, The only other thing I'll mention is, and you know, I'm not a doctor, so I don't know the similarities in these type of procedures, but Cody Bellinger had surgery on his shoulder because his shoulder had been separating for a while. And I'm you know, wondering if some of his troubles at the plate, now I know he's had different kinds of injuries, but I wonder if some of them, he's betting like 163 or something like that, might be due to the lingering effects of that surgery. And I'm wondering how quickly Tatis could recuperate from it, you know, and and Bellinger had his surgery, I believe, in you know after the World Series, like October, November, and uh, he was being slowed in in spring training. So, like I said, I'm not a doctor, but I don't know. But I guess we could go back to the uh, trade deadline, right? I mean, uh, uh, for me, always been one of my favorite days of the baseball season. There, Scott, also love uh, during the off season uh, that the winter meetings. There's always lots of 
activities. So many activities. It's making my head spin how many activities we can do. Usually lots of trades happen in there as well. But, hey, you know, if, for some players, the act of just getting traded, it takes a toll on them, right? I mean, uh, I mean, think about what it's like for, for you or I on our first day of work at a, a new place, having to meet your new coworkers. So it, it could be some – it could be stressful a little bit. And then sometimes there's some strange things that occur when a player is traded to a new team. Like I, I was a little surprised when I saw this week that Nelson Cruz w- was playing first base for the Rays, but then again, it's the Rays, right? But, uh, and then I think we're going to eventually see Javier Baez, who was uh, traded from the Cubs to the Mets, play some second base for them once uh, Francisco Lindor returns from the IL. Yeah, this is sort of like one of those things that we always hear after the trade deadline, like, oh, is this guy going to play a new position? Sometimes it sticks, sometimes it doesn't. I'd be surprised if Nelson Cruz gets enough first first base plate appearances to earn that eligibility. Uh, If he does, like that's, that's amazing. I mean, he yeah, instantly becomes like a, a high level first baseman, but first base has been surprisingly deep as well. So it's probably, you probably, you might already have a first baseman who's like near that good anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, that, you know, so you're not going to gain a lot from it in season. It's something that's more interesting for drafts next season. Um, it's, it's also really hard because like a couple teams traded for injured guys, which is also something we don't see a lot. So we're not entirely sure how that's going to shake out when everybody gets healthy. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, there's, you know, first of all, there's always, like you said, that human element of what happens when you get traded and it does something to both the team that loses the player and to the team that gains the player. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, for a lot of these Cubs, yeah, they split this up and I'd hate to be a Cub right now because you basically your bosses have just quit, like have just told you like, you know, we're not going to be any good. And you're staring, you know, 60 games in the face that you're probably going to lose a lot of that's hard as a professional athlete to deal with. Sure. Uh, It's also, you know, but the teams that get the guys like the Yankees have to be just feeling pumped right now. (laughs) They're reloaded. There's probably some players that are like, Oh no, I'm not going to play much anymore, but that team's got to be feeling really rejuvenated. Like we, they, they needed some new stuff. They needed Mm -hmm. a left-handed bat. So they got like the two Two. best available ones, (laughs) right? right? Right. Like we need a left-handed bat. So, you know, it's like you, you tell, you tell someone, Hey, can you run out to the store and get some snacks? And they come back with like a car full of Taco Bell, like not what you expected, but you're very thrilled, you know? So that's really what's happened. They said, Oh, we need a left-handed bat. So they came home with Anthony Rizzo and Joey Gallo, mm-hmm, right? Like mm-hmm. that's, that's a fun place to be. So it, that human element is something that's really hard to quantify into numbers, but is, is huge for these players. Like I wouldn't be shocked if these, you know, Rizzo has already gotten on base you know, before Sunday's games had gotten on base seven of the eight times he went yeah, up yep. like that. There's a real thing about that. Like, yeah, there's some pressure trying to impress your new teammates, but also like I'm on a team that can win. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. a huge deal. Yeah. And I, I know you love this, but uh, you know, in the, in these two games, 889 OBP. And of course, what happens on Sunday? He's leading off. <laughs> I know you love when, when they lead off power hitters, don't you? Isn't that one of your favorite things? You know, it it can be fine. They just always were doing it with Kyle Schwarber, and he wasn't doing that good at it. (laughs) Like, it was a really good idea in theory, and then he wouldn't do it very well, and they kept doing it anyway. Um, I mean, the Yankees can do whatever they want right now. They're just trying to spark this team, and if a guy's going to keep getting on base like crazy, you might as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, And you you also have to think about his teammates, right? Like, yeah, there's going to be a log jam at first base, DH, and corner outfield Mm -hmm. for for the Yankees, but that whole team's got to be feeling great. Like, they know who Anthony Rizzo is. Sure. Right? Like, mm-hmm. these players come with reputations. I'll tell you that 
Nelson Cruz is a guy who's really, really well regarded across baseball. Players love Nelson Cruz mm-hmm. and the Rays. Like there were reports about the race players being so excited yeah. that Nelson Cruz came to their clubhouse. So that's going to be a really interesting thing to see. Not necessarily actionable from a fantasy perspective, except right. for the whole concept of like, you know, Rizzo, for example, is a guy who's going to be hitting in the middle of a better lineup yeah. in a park that is much better for home runs for lefties. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we'll, I mean, we can talk about that stuff, but a lot of the changes aren't so much like fan, like easy to relate to fantasy mm-hmm. for these players. It's just like that whole rejuvenation thing is a big deal. If you've yeah. ever been in a, a dead end job, mm-hmm. like that's what some of these guys were feeling like. Yeah. This, yeah. A well-paid dead end job, but a dead end job. And now they're not right now. They're mm-hmm. in a job that pays just as good, but it's a much brighter future. Two things I'll, I'll mention. One thing about Nelson Cruz, which, you know, goes under the radar. Not only is he a guy that could still hit 40 home runs at his age and hit the high average, but uh, I believe the Rays put his locker right next to Wanda, Wanda Franco's. So not only uh, are the Rays looking for him to pay dividends by his actual production, but also by kind of nurturing a guy that could end up being one of the best or is expected to be one of the best players in baseball by the end of his career, Wanda Franco. So, you know, there's always that little uh, other aspect of, of, you know, trading for a veteran player like a Nelson Cruz. And I'm going to ask you just something. This is like off the little off topic, whatever. But uh, since we were talking about the Yankees, I, I know some people get ticked off when the Yankees trade for someone, they make them uh, shave their, their beard or whatnot. Does that bother you? It's one of my, I, I, this, this uh, image has been getting a lot of play from me, but if you're a Simpsons fan, you remember Homer at the bat, the episode where uh, the salt, like the company softball team gets all these ringers. Don Mattingly uh, is the guy who says, you know, Burns keeps saying, it's like shave those sideburns. And so he shaves his sideburns, like all the way around his head and Burns <laughs> stills going crazy. There's a great image of him standing, like facing Burns with this huge, like shaved all the way around his head. Uh, and the great part is when he ends that scene, he says, I still like him better than Steinbrenner, but, (laughs) but, uh, it, it is really annoying. I know that, you know, surprisingly, it was also an issue for Raleigh fingers. There was a team he actually didn't sign with in the off season when he was a free agent because it would have made him shave his mustache. And that's a classic part of his look. And he wouldn't do it. Mm -hmm. He wouldn't do it. So, um, I think it's something that the players recognize, but again, it's one of those things where, um, yeah, like Joey Gallo looks kind of weird without a beard, but I think he'd rather have wins and a shot at a world series than a beard and playing for the Rangers who right, are right. rebuilding big time. But supposedly he said that he would have resigned with them like before he, you know, his name was mentioned in trade rumors, but, uh, supposedly he had said that he would have signed with them even before, you know, he was traded to the Yankees. But I also find that interesting that, uh, all of a sudden when, when, players are traded to the Yankees. Oh yeah. I grew up a Yankee fan. I love the Yankees, you know, it's just, okay. You know, you're saying the right thing and maybe it's true, but it's just uh, kind of, I guess it was easy to be a Yankee fan in the, in the nineties, right? Mid nineties and up, they, they won every year. So, uh, but, uh, talking about the Cubs who gutted their, uh, 2016 world series team. And for a while they were competitive in it. And everyone was wondering whether or not, they would do this, whether they trade away some of their, their stars that were uh, pending free agents. But, uh, you know, and we had talked about uh, the effect on individual players of being traded. So I was watching, they showed a little video of Chris Bryant 
getting notified. You know, he got a phone call on his cell that he had been traded, and he kind of laughed a little bit at, at one point. But then, uh, you know, I guess a coach was in the dugout. It was only him and another coach in the dugout when he got the call. And he gave the coach a little a little hug, and he laughed. And then all of a sudden, poor guy, you know, it really got to me because you could tell he was bawling. There's no crying in baseball! You know, and it's it's tough for, for, for a guy like Brian who, well, first of all, you know, the Cubs were messing around with him in terms of when they actually promoted him to start his career. You know, that whole issue about gaining control and whatnot. But, you know, hearing the rumor all year long that, you know, you may be traded, you may not, you know, and then it, it toys with you. So but uh, I think he's in a, in a great spot with the Giants. I mean, obviously, in first place. I think he helps them immensely. And hey, you know what? In 17 career games at uh, AT&T Park in San Francisco, he's got a 324, 387, 618 tr- triple slash with five home runs and 15 RBI. I think it's a good landing spot for him. You know, I think I think it is for Chris Bryant. Uh, for fantasy purpose, though, it, it is going to be a challenge. Oracle Park is the hardest place to hit home runs for right-handed batters mm-hmm. uh, in the major leagues. Over the last three years, they have a home run park factor of 73. That's 10 points worse than anybody else. Uh, and of course, is 27 points off of average, right? The, when he was uh, at Wrigley, it was a 98. So it was pretty average. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, actually, I'm sorry. At Wrigley, it was a little better than that. It was 107. So it played favorably for home runs or, you know, it, it was at least neutral at times. Uh, it is a smaller park and Oracle Park's not. It's big, hard to hit home runs there. Air density is a big problem there. Uh, it, it's going to be a challenge for them uh, to. It's going to be a challenge for Bryant to hit the home runs like he was in Wrigley. But mm-hmm. that doesn't mean he won't be good. It's not like you can't hit home runs there. I mean, heck, Evan Longoria was jacking bombs when he was healthy. Brandon Crawford. I was just going to mention Crawford. Yeah, uh, yeah, <laughs> he's hitting a bunch of home runs. I think the the funniest thing about the funniest thing about this is how good the Giants have been at picking up like spare parts and making them good. I'd love to see what they can do with a Chris Bryant. Yeah. I think he's a little bit more than a spare part, but you're right. (laughs) Absolutely. So, so that'll be really, you know, whatever the secret sauce is there, you know, applying it to Chris Bryant could have some outstanding effects. Sure. Sure. And we've already talked about Rizzo getting moved and uh, you know, the two home runs so far and uh, 889 OBP Cubs offered him five years, 70 million, uh, you wonder what what what's it going to take? That's like uh, fourteen million per. I guess you know with with the Hosmer deal, Eric Hosmer that the Padres were trying to get out of. He was making what like eighteen million a year or something. Uh, so you wonder if he's going to ingratiate himself enough with the Yankees. And it's only two games where they would uh, offer him a contract. What would it take? But I don't know. Any, you know, any part thoughts? of part of what made this trade deadline so wild is teams are trying to. Uh, forecast what's going to happen with the upcoming labor issues. Yeah. Right. And you wonder Mm -hmm. if you wonder if some of this, some of these trades for uh, giving up more than teams usually gave up for players with control. uh, I think part of that might be like players might get a lot more expensive soon. Mm -hmm. Contracts might be structured differently soon. So let's get a bunch of guys under contract now. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, again, not all of these guys are like that. I'm very like, you know, Rizzo, has to look at offers, but he also has to think if he thinks the labor, you know, if the labor issues are going to create better conditions for players, he's better off not signing. Mm-hmm. 
right? Mm-hmm. Good so point. Mm-hmm. it's it's going to be a challenge. It's going to be really interesting to see how teams and players react to this stuff. Uh, we already saw for a trade deadline, it meant they got a lot crazier than than they used to get, and they were more willing to give up prospects than we've seen in a very long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, Javier Baez. Uh, I think we we spoke about him really briefly. Vocal about wanting to play with the uh, with uh, Francisco Lindor uh, earlier in the week, and he said in an interview that Lindor is the only player that uh, he'd move to second base for. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, uh, he's a Met. So that's pretty. You know, when Lindor is healthy, of course he's had his issues at the plate, but he started to come around. Uh, but they're going to have some infield. Yeah, you know what's really weird, and you'd never like. If I asked you now, you know, it's sort of a trick question now because I already told you that it's really weird and surprising. <laughs> if I asked you, where is a better park to hit home runs for righties? Is it City Field or Wrigley? Like most people would pick Wrigley, right? Yeah, like City yeah. Field has this reputation as pitcher's park because it is, mm-hmm. but not with respect to home runs. It's actually above average home for home runs for right-handed batters. So like that, like, you know, going from like a 98 in Wrigley for righties to a 106 at City Field, uh, isn't like this huge change where you can add a number of home runs to it, but mm-hmm. it's, it's certainly not worse, right. For a guy that really tries to swing for the fences. I think yeah. it's going to be really, really interesting on, on that end and how he's able to uh, hopefully continue swinging and really hitting a lot of balls hard. I just want to see him bat against uh, Amir Garrett, you know, as often as possible. Did you see that video this week? Oh yeah. <laughs> <Whew>. <laughs> oh man. Um, and in a shocker, Craig Kimbrell, traded to the Cubs uh, crosstown rival White Sox. And another thing that was a little bit of a surprise that even after the trade was that Ken Rosenthal had said that he had heard that uh, Kimbrell and Liam Hendricks were going to be splitting uh, save opportunities. So we'll see what happens uh, there. But uh, also uh, the White Sox um, traded Nick Madrigal, who's done for the season, to the Cubs, at least the Cubs know who's going to be their second baseman going forward. And uh, but uh, that was kind of like a, a surprise, right? To, that the two crosstown rivals would make that kind of a a, a big trade. And you know, uh, and just an FYI, Kyle Ryan picked up the first save in the post Craig Kimbrell era for the Cubs. But a little surprised about that trade, no? Yeah, there was a lot of like interdivisional trades, especially in the AL Central, mm-hmm. right? Like the. Cleveland and the White Sox and the Tigers kept trading with each other, uh, which, which was kind of wild, but um, it, it was, you know, there's, you could talk about winners and losers for fantasy value all over the place. Right. Mm-hmm. We've talked about a couple winners. I think, you know, Gallo Rizzo, those were big winners. Mm-hmm. Um, Ian Kennedy is the only closer who really came out a winner. Yeah. Right? So he's, he's going, he's going to keep a, a saved job all to himself. Yeah. Every other closer that was moved. Richard Rodriguez, Craig Kimbrell, all those guys, they are in worse situations now than they were before. Mm-hmm. Either because they're- Even Brad you know, Hand, right? Yeah, yeah. Brad Hand mm-hmm. is at best going to split the split the closing duties. Kimbrell's at best going to close the, uh, split closing duties. Richard Rodriguez is not going to close. Um, Yimmy Garcia from the Marlins, yeah. he's going to you know, be he's a not gonna close. guy. Yep. Diego Castillo went from Tampa to Seattle, and while he's still going to close, it's for a much worse team. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like they're Ian Kennedy's the only real winner. Every other closer is a loser. And this is actually something we talked about before the deadline. Yes. Most of the time when trader, when closers get moved, they go to a worse position for fantasy. Mm-hmm. Almost 
almost exclusively. We saw one guy come out better than he was before. That's it. And that's normal. That's just how this works. These teams don't trade for closers. They trade for setup guys in depth. Mm-hmm. And so they take closers from bad teams and turns them, turn them into setup guys on good teams. Yeah. So that's what happens. That's a huge takeaway here. There's going to be a ton of fab spent this weekend. Oh, on, yes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, you're going to listen to this after it's already happened. And I hope you didn't spend too much because we just don't know. Like one weekend tells us so little. Mm-hmm. The very first weekend of the season, Julian Merriweather got a pair of saves for the Blue Jays. We thought he was the guy. Mm-hmm. Of course, then he gets hurt. And then it was a question mark for a month and a half. Right? Like it is hard to predict closing situations. Yeah. So uh, most of the time, if you're doing it, you want to just get the guy who was the setup guy. What we usually see is people just move up. It's like a daisy chain. When the top guy leaves, everyone else just moves up a spot. Mm-hmm. But um, a lot of folks are going to talk themselves into guys because of skill. And while that's exciting and fun, it doesn't always profit for fantasy. So just really something to keep in mind. If you can wait until this coming fab period. When you have a little more knowledge, yeah, some guys are going to cost a little more, but at least it's not going to be like wasted money. Right. Because even if you got a guy for 20 bucks of fab cheaper than you would have this coming week, like you have a better chance of knowing that you didn't waste that fab. And this is not the time to waste fab. Right. Uh, and like I mentioned, uh, Kyle Ryan picking up the first save uh, after Kimbrell left. It, well, look, the, the Cubs, they traded away Andrew uh, Chaffin. They traded away Ryan Tapera, and they were kind of like the heir apparents to Kimbrell. So it's just going to be a crazy week or so. And you brought up a good point. As we watch this unwind a little bit, and a guy like uh, uh, Kyle Finnegan for the Nationals picked up two saves right after hand was traded. So something to watch carefully. But um, like you said, we're going to, by the time this uh, podcast debuts on Monday, you're, you know, you're fab with a run. What about the Braves? I'm looking at a matter of a couple of weeks, they just reinvented their outfield. I, I give them credit. Look, there was a problem, uh, and uh, GM just went right after the problem. Jorge Soler, who uh, is on fire. We talked about him uh, in previous podcasts being a second-half kind of guy. Six home runs, three fourteen batting average in his last 11 games. Forget the batting average, but the power's for real. And Adam Duvall, former Brave. Uh, he was there for three years. His first year was uh, nothing to write home about. But in his last two seasons with them, 26 homers in 98 games. And steady Eddie Rosario, who's dealing with a, an a, abdominal strain. Uh, he's on the IL, but he's another guy that has 30 home run type power. And just a, a week or two ago, they, they picked up uh, Jock Peterson from the Cubs. I mean, like I said, you got to love it. Brave saw a problem and uh, tried to solve it. Yeah, they keep picking up guys that try to hit home runs a lot, you know, and um, it's it's somewhat, you know, like individually, you would have said it's good for all of them. I'm really interested in what that outfield looks like when Eddie Rosario comes back. Now, that may be a while. These abdominal mm-hmm. strains can take some time to get through. But yeah, when he comes back, that's going to be a crowded outfield, to mm-hmm. say the least. And I wonder if it's some of the young, like, it's hard to say exactly who's going to lose the most from that. Cause they have a bunch of streaky hitters. Yeah. Right. Like Jorge Soler looks like he that, keep that job for now, but if he goes back to hitting like he did earlier this season, he might be the one that gets platooned. Mm-hmm. Uh, they do have a nice righty lefty mix. Right. Um, so it'll be really interesting to see how that plays out for now. You just like it for all the guys that ended up there. Cause they're all on a better team. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, and uh, I mentioned Richard Rodriguez, uh, he was traded to the former 
Pirates closer was traded to the Braves, uh, becomes a setup guy uh, for the Braves. Uh, Will Smith is their, their closer. And uh, Braves also traded for Stephen Vogt, a veteran catcher. And here's something to take note of. Travis Darnell about to start a rehab assignment. So if you have room on your bench, you could uh, pick him up off the waiver wire. Uh, so just keep that in mind. Uh, another team that gutted <laughs> world championship roster, the Nationals, right? They're going to build their uh, team around Juan Soto. Pretty good player to build around your team, in my opinion. But uh, they were involved, the Nats, in the blockbuster trade of, of the season. Uh, so many trades, but uh, they sent... Max Scherzer and Trey Turner to the Dodgers, and they get back uh, catcher Keybert Ruiz, uh, right-handed pitcher Jose, uh, Josiah Gray, uh, right-handed pitcher Gerardo Carrillo, and outfielder Donovan Casey. So they got two major league-ready players in uh, Ruiz, the catcher, and Josiah Gray. Yeah, they did, and they got, you know, again, weird to see teams trade major league let ready prospects mm. uh for for this but of course it was a massive haul right like they get scherzer and they get trey turner i i like gray uh it's interesting yeah, i'm not sure how much they'll let him pitch it is nice to see that he's going to a situation where he'll still get to pitch in the major leagues interestingly enough he was going to get a shot with the dodgers right yeah. they needed a guy yeah <laughs> so mm -hmm. um he's not going to a worse situation in that sense he's going to a worse team of course but that's okay i think the real interesting piece here is going to be trey turner he's still a high level fantasy player but the dodgers don't need to run like the nationals needed to run right like the nationals needed to run to actually score runs and be competitive they needed to steal bases because they didn't have enough guys to hit you around. Mm -hmm. That's not the case of the Dodgers lineup. They can hit you around all day, even if you can steal bases. I think he will still steal some bases, but they've been very conservative on the uh, on the base pads. Part of that is not having like an elite stolen base threat. Like, I mean, they've had Mookie Betts, but it's it's going to be really interesting to see how much they have Turner run. Um, it's not enough to say like you should trade him and you should do all this other stuff, but. Don't be surprised if you have to take, you know, four or five stolen bases off the season total from current projections, uh, maybe even less. But mm -hmm. it could be up to that many simply because the team he's on now doesn't need him to do that stuff. Right. And he's on the contract through next season. Right. So it was a I guess. Nationals kind of figured that uh, there was no chance that they were going to resign him. But uh, I don't know. Did they feel pressure to trade him? Uh, I don't know. I mean, but uh, that's some haul for the Dodgers. And they just keep on making these moves. And they keep on having these uh, top-level prospects that they could include in trades and to improve their team. So uh, we'll see what happens there. But uh, yeah, must be nice. The rich get richer. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Must be nice. <laughs> um, you had mentioned Diego Castillo earlier. And that ties into the Mariners. And that was something this week when the Mariners uh, traded away their closer, Kendall Graveman, and how the their players reacted, right? Uh, Graveman had developed into their closer, was traded to the Astros, who really bolstered their bullpen. Uh, by the way, I mentioned the Yimmy Garcia they got. and uh, But the Mariners got back Abraham Toro. And, man, the, the Mariners clubhouse was just in an uproar very popular player uh, in kendall graveman and you had players in tears i mean i thought there was no crying in baseball there's no crying in baseball 
but I mean, but I guess there is, right? Uh, no, but go ahead, yeah. Yeah, it's a combination of things. I mean, I do think he was very popular in their clubhouse, and you, it's hard to trade those guys without your your teammates, you know, really being upset. The other thing that happens here is you got to think about it from that Cuban perspective again, and that's a huge part of the trade deadline. You're talking to a group of guys who are playing good baseball, who are competitive, who are a threat to win this division, and you go and trade their closer, the guy who's been their best reliever, Mm -hmm. to the team you're competing with in the division and got, you know, yeah, you got, like, let's let's be clear. They got a really nice package for a reliever, right? Like, they got Abraham Toro, Mm -hmm. a major league ready prospect who's actually quite interesting Mm -hmm. um you know they got they got multiple pieces for a reliever Mm -hmm. i mean go look at all the other relievers who got traded and other than craig kimbrell you you see almost nothing right like you just don't get that much for a guy like kendall graveman and they did so i understand it from the business perspective but man what a message to send to clubhouse yeah i know you guys have been trading uh been doing good but uh you know see up we're gonna get rid of your closer (laughs) right and they didn't even replace him right well yeah 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 (laughs) Uh, well, they did eventually. They brought in Castillo, and like t- taking another look at this, uh, and you know, I could understand, you know, that the team was doing well, and and so was Graveman, but he was going to be a free agent at the end of this year, and the guy that they uh, traded for that replaced him, Castillo, Diego Castillo, who unfortunately blew his first safe chance, but he's not going to be a free agent until twenty twenty five. So hey, you know, it's happened before where. If they love Graveman as much, you know, maybe they could just sign him at the end of the year, bring him back, you know. But uh, I, th- I think that was part of it. But it does say something about the culture of that clubhouse that, I mean, you, you saw the quotes where they were like, yeah, uh, DePoto is sitting up there in his office, doesn't, you know, come down, just playing fantasy baseball, you know, like comparing the moves that he's making with fantasy baseball managers. And yeah, I mean, they were really uh, upset and it was just odd to, to see so many players from a team as vocal uh, as, as they were against team management so there's got to be some hard feelings there yeah and, and you I almost wonder like when I saw that Castillo trade I almost wondered how much of that was to like try to win them back in some way because <laughs> uh, Castillo's a better pitcher than Graveman mm-hmm. right and so I almost wonder how much of that was like hey will you guys leave me alone now right? <laughs> like but again look the the odd the, the the playoff odds for the Mariners are terrible right it's yeah. like a two something percent chance to make the postseason they probably weren't going to go anywhere but you can't you can't tell that to a bunch of professional baseball players right who are 50 you know even right now are 56 and 49 mm-hmm. right like tell them that they can't make the playoffs yeah like <laughs> they disagree Right. Like they didn't feel like they needed to be sellers. I understand that management made that decision and look, they're probably right. It would have been very difficult for this team to continue playing this well, Mm -hmm. but that's the, that's the thing they're really wrestling with. And that's, that's, what's going to make this a challenge for any, you know, any team that's, that's overperforming. It's hard for them because they have to make a decision. Like we even like, what if we get to the playoffs, then what? Mm -hmm. Right. Makes sense. It's very real. But tell that to the players who keep winning games. Right, right. Yeah, and uh, you, you bring up a good point with uh, the Mariners. It looks like, look, I'm not taking away anything from what they've accomplished so far. I mean, they're another team that has uh, overperformed, but they have the uh, seventh worst 
run scoring differential on the season, a minus 55. So maybe they're playing a little bit over their heads. But like you say, a bunch of professional athletes who are going out there, giving it their all every day. And I guess they just felt that management, you know, didn't have their backs. And you also mentioned something else, uh, Diego Castillo. I know he blew his first save opportunity uh, for the Mariners, but he's a pretty darn good <laughs> relief pitcher. And, and uh, I, at the time of the trade, cause it, this, I was reading about this cause this kind of intrigued me, this whole reaction and whatnot. But uh, DePoto had said, I think that the trade happened by maybe Wednesday or so. And he kind of foreshadowed that he had more moves, you know, up his sleeve. And then he ended up getting Castillo, but maybe it is, like you said, maybe they just felt that they had to get, uh, you know, do something to get the players back on their side. But uh, that's the difference between video game baseball (laughs) and fantasy baseball and then real baseball. Because in, in fantasy baseball, we'd be praising this person who was able to get Toro, another prospect and, and essentially Diego Castillo for, what Kendall Graveman and no, like not injuring your, like not hurting your chances with your major league roster. Like that's great. But the players didn't feel that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and people, like people are really sensitive to their first reaction. Like getting Diego Castillo might not even help them that much in terms of winning back that clubhouse. Cause they didn't want Diego Castillo. They didn't want a better closer. They wanted the one they had. Right. It might not make a lot of logical sense, but there's a lot of stuff that doesn't make logical sense in baseball. Like yeah. the Mariners having 56 wins already. Like that doesn't make sense, <laughs> right. but here we are, right? You have, you're playing well over 500 with a, you know, a terrible run differential, but mm-hmm. here we are. Yeah. So, I mean, that's the hardest part of the whole trade deadline to really wrap your head around. Yeah. And uh, Abraham Toro, two home runs in his first four games for the Mariners. So we'll see, you know, um, but interesting stuff. But um, one of my, Favorite moves, and maybe I'll ask you as we close out uh, the podcast after we talk about the Blue Jays, if there was like any players in in particular that you think either benefited or fantasy-wise or were uh, hurt in terms of their fantasy value based on their moves. But this is one of my favorites for the individual player of Jose Barrios, man. Uh, Blue Jays, he's traded to the Blue Jays. To me, Blue Jays are the team of the future. And, you know, they play in the same division as my favorite team, the Yankees. And I think that within three years, if the Blue Jays don't win a World Series with the nucleus that they have in place, then something's wrong. I mean, to me, with this trade for uh, Barrios, I mean, they set themselves up to not only really compete hard for a wild card berth this season, uh, but look, they've got him. They, they, they've got Alec Manoa, right? Uh, they've got uh, Hugin Rio, who's 34 years old, but signed through 2023. Robbie Ray has reinvented himself. And then uh, they even strengthened their bullpen by getting Joaquin Soria. Mentioned Brad Han. And this offense, man, uh, Vlad Guerrero Jr., Bo Bichette, uh, even Alejandro Kirk. Right, the catcher who's coming back. If Kevin Biggio, if he could figure things out, George Springer, Tiasco Hernandez, Lourdes Guriel. I mean, it's just it's it's crazy. And then, you know, even Marcus Simeon. I mean, if this team doesn't win a World Series, like I said, within the next three years, something's wrong. Yeah, I think what's really interesting here is that the Blue Jays did a nice job recognizing that, like, hey, we've taken the steps that people have been waiting for us to take. 
we just need some more pitching. Mm-hmm. And like, it's great. They've gotten what they've gotten out of Robbie Bray. Hyunjin Ryu has been pretty good, but like at any given time, one of those guys could drop out, right. Via performance or injury, right. It could, the bottom could fall out. Sure. So, you know, real kudos to them for going to get a guy who can be part of this, of this future, right. Like going to get Jose Barrios who becomes this, like a, another solid pitcher for them. Mm-hmm. I, I think Ryu still their ace, but he's probably their second best guy, mm-hmm. right? Depending on how much you believe in what Robbie Ray's doing. So I think it was a really smart move. It makes them a lot scarier from a playoff perspective, right? Yeah. Uh, that And that's huge. And I, when I first heard that move, I go, well, that's because they want a playoff rotation, right? They want a really strong playoff rotation to compete with the other teams in the AL. Mm-hmm. I think that they can do it. Um, you know, they're a little, they're probably a year earlier than I thought they would be because I didn't expect this kind of growth from uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. quite yet. Mm-hmm. We always knew it was possible. We just didn't know if it was going to happen yet. Right. And it did. And so I love that they're pushing in the chips. Yeah. And yeah. that they're, they're trying to get better to win right now mm-hmm. and in the future, but especially right now. Do they have to sign uh, Marcus Simeon? I mean,. <laughs> It's hard not to at this point. I, I mean, know. we've seen him be real up and down, mm-hmm. right? He really struggled last season after a really good season the year before that. He's done it in different ways with different plate, like different plate discipline and, and batted ball profiles. It, it's very interesting what he's done. So I think the one thing is they've got to kind of decide, like they have, you know, a lot of the guys that they were waiting to come up are now all up. <clears throat> I think it's just going to be a matter of they have to make some internal decisions. Who's sticking around? Who's not? Uh, because they have this core that's all under team control for quite some time. And uh, they just have to figure out like, you know, how do we want to build around him? You'll make some decisions about Loris Gurriel Jr. Yeah. Uh, and some stuff like that. Make some decisions about like, why do we still have Randall Grychuk around? Uh, do we need to have him around? Because um, it's not like he's been bad. It's just, you know, he's not a for the future guy. He He's right. more of a, we're doing pretty good right now. So I got a decent right-handed bat sort of guy. So yeah. It's a really pretty good guy to have, especially with the uh, injury history that Springer has. You know, he filled in. But, yeah. Uh, but you're bringing yeah, up a good point. Worked uh, out great. Yeah. And, and Simeon now is almost like the elder statesman veteran leader of the team, right? <laughs> you know, at this yeah. point. And yeah, it's like a high school freshman leading around a bunch of middle school kids. Right? Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 In terms yeah. of the lineup, you know. So uh, that's really interesting. But, I mean, that offense is so good. And they, they really did, you know, everyone was saying they just need a pitcher. They went and got one yeah. Good for them. Yeah. That probably feel probably feels great to be a blue Jays fan right now. Mm-hmm. Your team went out and got a guy that you yeah. needed. Yeah. Any, anybody stick out at you in terms of, of all the activity? Cause we, I mean, it would take us two and three hours to just go through every single trade that took place and anything stick out at you as either that helped a player's fantasy value or really hurt it, or maybe even just a, a team in general that you think that did a really good job. Yeah, so I'll I'll sort of do some like three buckets here, like guys who I really think it helped them, mm-hmm. guys who I think are probably in a worse position than they were before, and then guys who are going to be either like that I don't think are just going to be neutral, but I don't know which way it's going to go yet, right? So we'll start with the good, right? I mean, Ian Kennedy, I already mentioned, I think this is a great situation for him. He gets to keep closing and he gets to do it for a better team. Mm-hmm. Like that's, he's going to get more save opportunities and he's been pretty good as a closer. So it's funny that this is the year he finally gets traded. There were so many years we were waiting for him to be traded. Yes. And he never did. And now he finally does. So 
Um, that that's good for him. Obviously Rizzo and Gallo both go to one of the easiest places to hit home runs for left-handed hitters. And yep. they both can hit a lot of home runs for left-handed hitters. Can we it's say something to- real quick about that too? Yeah. Yankees uh, get the Rangers to pay the rest of Joey Gallo and uh, Jolie Rodriguez's salary. Not too, not too shabby, right? The only of a move. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The only thing, I mean, with Gallo, you know, I love the, the home run potential, but uh, he's a little Stantonian, right? Low batting average, high strikeout guy, uh, good OBP skills. Sounds familiar, right? The, if you're, yeah, yeah. yeah. But the, oh. the, one, the one thing he's got, though, like you said, the lefty bat, and also he is really a phenomenal outfielder. Yeah. I, I won't be shocked if he ends up playing center field for them mm-hmm. at times with, yeah. how, with how messy that lineup is right now. Mm-hmm. Like, what if they have to go to, like, this judge – Gallo like Stanton outfield with Voight and Rizzo at first base in DH, mm-hmm. right? Like that's a realistic thing. Like what a, what a wild outfield Like <laughs> as another outfield had that much like home run power in it. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's, that's or, wild. So, or, or height and yeah. probably even weight. Right. One yeah. of these guys is like six, five and two fifty. Yeah. It's a big outfield. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, that's that's interesting. I mean, a guy he wasn't traded out the deadline just a couple of days before it. Adam Frazier got mm-hmm. the move. That was exactly what we wanted. We wanted his contact hitting skills in a better lineup. So he went from the Pirates, which is like one of the most depressing lineups to watch, to the Padres, one of the most exciting lineups to watch. So that was yeah. huge for him. And then this isn't a huge bump, but Cesar Hernandez going from Cleveland yeah. to the White Sox. Good one. That's that's a good one because it looks like he's going to keep hit. He's going to hit first or second, right? Mm-hmm. Like I think it's going to be mostly second with Tim Anderson at the top, but that was a really nice move for them. He doesn't steal bases like he used to. And I wouldn't expect him to, he was actually never that good at it. Mm-hmm. He'd get stolen bases, but he'd get caught like at least a third of the time. That's way too often. So he's not going to steal bases, but he's had a, he's already hit more home runs this season than he has in any other season in his yes. career. Mm-hmm. And it's not like he's an injury prone guy. He's played plenty of baseball, just, you know, he's got more home runs. He's going to a park that's a nice little place to hit home runs. Uh, guaranteed rate field is not very big. So I, I do think that's going to be a boost for him. He'll, and, of course, he'll score more runs, right? Like, you know, he doesn't have Jose Ramirez behind him anymore, but having Eloy and all the other guys in Chicago behind you it helps a lot too. Mm-hmm. So those are the ones I think that got, you know, sort of the easy wins for their value. Guys who lost some value. Like we mentioned before, every closer not named Ian Kennedy who got traded mm-hmm. uh, probably lost value there. Uh, I wonder what's going to happen with, you know, probably it's going to be mostly a hurt to uh, Franchi Cordero, who was uh, a guy in the offseason people are excited about, but it hasn't been that good this season. And also Jared Duran, who's been called up the prospect. He and Cordero are likely to lose some time with Schwarber ending up at Boston once he's healthy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so once he's back on the field. And Schwarber himself actually is going to get a little bit of a downgrade. It's hard to hit home runs for lefties in Boston. Yes. Right? Get that, you know, that big John wall. So uh, it, it's difficult. It could help his batting average a bit. It's good for everything else, but home runs for lefties. So uh, we'll see how that goes. That'll be, um, that'll be interesting to watch. And then guys, I'm, the thing I'm unsure about, we talked about Turner already. I'm unsure how the stolen base scenario is going to go there. We talked a bit about uh, Brios who, is getting a bet a much better team, but he's going to a lot more hitter friendly ballpark. So there's some, you know, tug and pull there. I think it's going to ultimately balance itself out. I really want to see what happens with the Atlanta outfield when Rosario is healthy, if, and when he gets healthy, mm-hmm. uh, because Solaire, Peterson, Duvall, Rosario cannot all start on the same day. Mm-hmm. They can't right now. Luckily it's sort of like 
two right-handers with Soler and Duvall, two left-handers with Peterson and Rosario. But like a pure platoon is obviously the worst possible outcome for these guys for fantasy purposes. Right. Um, I'm not sure how many of them can play center field. I know Peterson can. Duvall probably can. He's a pretty decent fielder. Uh, I don't think Rosario is a very good fit there, although he could do it. Uh, they really have to decide what they're going to do. Um, but it is really funny to think that this team, like we lost, you know, we lost Ronald Acuna Jr. What do we do? We go sign four guys, four <laughs> outfielders. That's what it takes. That's what it takes to replace a guy like him. So yeah, yeah. Uh, that's, that's what's tough there. Don't forget. They're also missing Azuna too. Yeah. I expect the 30 yeah. home runs from him. At yeah. The start of the season. Yeah. So, you know, they've, I think they've done a nice job there in a division that nobody really stood out in. They have to feel like two of these guys are going to, are going to hit. Yeah. Uh, even yeah. if like two so out of three, rare, ain't bad. at least that's what meatloaf said. Yeah. Yeah. No. <laughs> uh, not bad. So I, I think that'll happen. Those are really like the buckets, right. That I, I think, you know, the good Kennedy, Rizzo, Galler, Gallo, Frazier, Cesar Hernandez, the bad, all the closers, not named Ian Kennedy. And then probably uh Franchi Cordero and Jared Duran when, um, Schwarber's able to come back up. And then the guys I'm unsure about is really just Turner. Uh, I think I'm unsure about Rios is probably more of just a neutral, you mm-hmm. know, more wins, maybe a little worse ERA. And then Trey Turner sort of neutral, except what if he doesn't, you know, he's going to score more runs. His at-bats are going to be more meaningful. Will he continue to steal bases? Yeah, I, I, He will, but to what extent? That's right. the question that the Dodgers just don't run that much. So mm-hmm. those are the real question marks I have, but. It's don't, what a wild deadline. Yeah. And don't forget the Dodgers also got Danny Duffy. I'll say tongue in cheek. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's a relief. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so, yeah. Uh, no, I'll tell you that the Padres, they kind of lost out because I think they were in on the Scherzer deal. And the Dodgers just kept on throwing, you know, top level talent that the Nats couldn't say no to. Right. Yeah. I, I don't. The, the Dodgers were not losing that bid. Right. They were. No, no one else was going to offer like two consensus, like top 50 prospects in mm-hmm. baseball. Yeah. No, no one else, yeah. like not a lot of other teams have that, especially not that they can afford to give up. Right. 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 So, so that was really the challenge for any other team. The Dodgers were just like, we don't even need these guys again. Mm-hmm. Must be nice. Right? Yeah, don't yeah. even need these guys. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And the A's made an interesting trade with the Marlins and we'll end with this one, I guess, but uh Stanley Marte definitely going to help the A's lineup. Right. Uh, and the Marlins who have plenty of young pitchers on their, roster right in in their system they get jesus luzardo who i've loved this guy for years but just injuries have really killed him but uh be interesting to see uh, how he develops you know through the through the the next you know year or so uh because uh, ballins could have a very very nice rotation if he ever pans out and uh develops into the pitcher that we think he can be yeah, talk about playing to your strengths, right? They've been mm-hmm. so good at developing pitchers. It's kind of cool to see him go there, see if he can get that Marlin secret sauce uh, to really up his game. I, I think, and it's also a really nice landing spot for Starling Marte because even though he's not leading off, he probably will still bat second behind Mark Canha. Yeah. And I was really worried what was going to happen there, but you know, Stolt, there was a really nice article over at Fangraphs a couple of years ago, back in 2017, about stolen base opportunities by lineup spot. Mm-hmm. And the drop from first to second actually isn't that bad. So you'd think that a guy who hits leadoff steals a lot more bases than someone who hits second, but it actually doesn't work out that way, right? Because even Canha doesn't get on base more than 35% of the time. Marte gets him behind him. They're going to run. 
So I, I do. And, and the A's have not been shy about running. Right. They haven't needed to all the time. But if you remember early in the season, they were letting Ramon Laureano run every time he got on base. So I do think um, they wanted Marte for some of that, for some of that stolen base speed. So that'll be a really nice, um, it's a really nice landing spot to just be on a better team, score more runs and still steal bases. I'm not worried about him. Like I am Trey Turner. Mm-hmm. And last thing I'll ask you, are you surprised that uh, Tigers didn't make more moves? Uh, the, the only one I, I believe was, it was trading Dan Morris to the Brewers uh, for relief pitcher Reese Olsen. You surprised that they were fairly quiet this trade uh, season? You know, extremely because while it's been really exciting and they're playing better baseball, they're not like they're not really able to go to the postseason or anything. Not that they've had a lot of great trades when they've unloaded guys. You know, they they've not gotten much back for a lot of the players they've unloaded. And I thought for sure that maybe someone would want scope. Yeah. But you know, with Rizzo and guys like that being out there, I guess he wasn't all that interesting yeah, to anybody. Yeah. And you know, I'm so, surprised some of their relievers didn't go because Soto has been pitching well and Cisnero was rumored to be on the block as well. Yeah, I, I was surprised too, but, you know, teams were able to go get, you know, a lot of the relievers that did go were, I mean, just better pitchers, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Between Graveman and Castillo and Richard Rodriguez and Brad Hand and Craig Kimbrell. With all those guys Look going. these names we're talking about. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are not names you usually say like, oh, and also Cisnero and Soto, right? Don't forget about those guys. Yeah. Not really how that works. So it, it was it was surprising as a result, but as it sort of like panned out, I was like, oh, the number of suitors for the Tigers is diminishing quickly, mm-hmm. right? Teams that need bullpen help that didn't already get it. Mm-hmm. Miles teams already got it. So I thought Soto might go just because he's a lefty and a team might want to – a team might have wanted a lefty. Yeah. But no, Brad, I mean, the one team that, that did, the Blue Jays, went and got Brad Hand. Yeah, yeah. So. Well, great stuff as always, Scott. Uh, good uh, hanging out with you today. And uh, if you want to follow Scott Chu, you could follow him at If The Chew Fits. Follow me at Joe Galena. Uh, follow our podcast at Hacks and Jacks PL. Uh, if there's anything specific that you'd like us to cover, re- please reach out to us there. And uh, follow the at Pitcher List Pods handle on Twitter. You'll be informed anytime that a new episode drops for any of the great podcasts featured on the Pitcher List Podcast Network. Subscribe to Hacks and Jacks on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a nice review. And as always, we hope that all of your fantasies become realities. Have a great week, and we'll see you next time. 